listening to Music Mythology. My name is Sam Romo, and let's talk about some music. Yes, sir. <laughs> cool. Good it. stuff. Well, uh, I just wanted to start by thanking you guys um, for having me out and uh, for talking with me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I've really been looking forward to it. Um, came to one of your jam nights, I think it was a couple of weeks back, and uh, it's an awesome experience. It's a very communal, warm, inviting environment, uh, yeah. whether you're a musician or not. So, you know, it's just, it, it was a very unique experience um, and something that, that, I hope don't you, that doesn't just carry on, but evolves and grows more and more. And um, so, yeah, I just wanted to uh, talk with you guys about how Ferndware came to be um, and just get to know you guys a little bit better. Right. Um, so I guess uh, we start with you, Patrick. Yeah, sounds good. Take it away, Pat. <laughs> oh, man. No question. You just want me to start going in. So <laughs> let's see. Yeah, my name's Patrick. Obviously, we got that. Uh so, like, the kind of origin story of Fernware is pretty, uh, you know, I don't know if it's incredibly interesting or not, but um, I used to play music when I was in college and high school and whatever and after college a little bit um, and uh, quit doing that for a number of years, you know, switched, worked in the family business for a while and then uh, later switched careers again and became an architect uh, and, um, you know, after a, a lot of time, kind of found my way back into uh, music through just some neighborhood buddies who kind of begged me to <laughs> to play music with them and not only play with them, but um, do it in this space because I own this building and there was an empty apartment up here. And they've been kind of asking me to do a little project with them for a while. And I'd always said no, uh, just because, you know, number one, I hadn't, you know, touched a, an instrument in, in 15 or 20 years and two sure. just wasn't part of my daily daily life so yeah. uh but eventually i think they they fed me enough enough booze and cried and begged <laughs> enough to get me to say yes and uh so we set up some instruments up here uh this guy andrew snow brought some some gear up here that's still here today and um we started kind of playing music and you know one of the reasons that i stopped playing music is that i have a bit of a you know, I don't know if it's an addictive personality, but if I do something, I'm going to do it like all the way. Yeah. There's mm -hmm. no reason to do stuff kind of halfway. I'm not into that. I so you characterized it as a, being an extremist. Yeah. Before. Extremist, <laughs> uh, not a terrorist, but an extremist. <laughs> um, well, you're a passionate person. Yeah. Passionate person. And I just want things to be, you know, I, you know, I have a, you know, I'm a designer and, you know, you just, I see the potential in things if they're executed a certain sure. way. And I see a, a, a kind of opportunity cost in, in, you know, situations where things aren't kind of maximized or put, put to their full, full potential. So, yeah. you know, a few months after kind of having those initial late night jam sessions up here, um, you know, the equipment started to pile up and, uh, you know, everything that was brought in that was kind of hand-me-down or second nature was shoved in a closet and mm. all of a sudden we had kind of a, a studio going. And I mean, I think that something that I don't tell often when I tell this story is that like just the, I think on that first night, everybody knew like we were 
on to something Breaking because <laughs> yeah it's just like you know it, you can't see this in the in the video but you know there's like a chop shop across the street that's you know chopping cars up all throughout the night and this amazing pink neon sign that we put on the front of the building that just you know when you walk in here and it's dark outside and you turn the volume up like it's just kind of a special place and Mm -hmm. a special vibe and i think that's the thing that pushed me into feeling like you know i could be financially irresponsible here (laughs) and maybe something could come of it you know yeah well i was actually just talking with will a minute ago that um you know i was actually born and and raised around here oh nice Mm -hmm. um i went to Tyler Street Methodist um, as a, a teenager and actually worked for the church too, but I grew, my, I grew up in Oak Cliff because my grandfather lives like, I don't know, eight minutes from where we are right now. You went to school there at Tyler Street? Uh, no, I, I used to uh, work there. Okay. Um, but I was uh, in like the youth group in there. I, I oh, was nice. I was there from like, I think I was like 16 until I was about 21 because hmm. I was like the assistant youth pastor for a little bit. Oh, that's cool. Is it cool. a church or a school? Uh, it's a church. Oh, okay. Uh, there's also a Tyler Street school like right across yeah. the street. Gotcha. Yeah, I think they yeah. just closed or something maybe, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Not tied to that. Yeah, cool, cool. <laughs> but, but no, but it, cool school. But being here, uh, as I was telling him, like coming down here and yeah, seeing, seeing Jefferson and seeing all these spots that, I don't know, I've grown up with, I've seen change a lot. Mm. Um, I mean, sure, there's always gonna be a billion dress shops on Jefferson, it's right. just how it We is. hope, we hope, we don't <laughs> yeah. know for sure, but we hope, yeah. But it, it, it's it's always evolving there. You have your staple you know, restaurants that have just held it down for years. Um, but to me, it, oh, and also I, I work in downtown Dallas, so I'm constantly in the heart of downtown um, for, my, for my job, but to come out here, um, yeah, it's different parts of it, like you said, are, are wild and, and, and evolving and, and so different, but it's home. Like for me to come mm-hmm. out here, it feels so good to be, to walk these um, blocks again right. with purpose, not just to like, cause you know, I mean, I think when anyone's growing up, you don't want to leave home, but you evolve and you grow and life becomes more complicated and you bust out. Mm. Um, so to me, I guess it's, it's, it's very, um, it's a very wholesome and genuine like appreciation to have such a um, a unique musical experience that's mm. communal in uh, the heart of a community that I'm from. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and that makes me feel good because you know I was living in New York mm. when I bought the building. Okay, and I was doing some work on Davis, like uh, as an architect, and coming down and supervising the construction of a project, mm. and fell in love with this neighborhood for a number of reasons, you know. Yeah. Uh, but you know, one of the things that I found on my time down here, I was staying like at. Uh, the Belmont, is it still called the Belmont? Yeah. I guess it is. But yeah, staying there and kind of driving around the neighborhood at night because I was just by myself and, and whatever. And, uh, you know, saw that this building was for sale. And like, you know, at this time I was kind of, you know, I was teaching a little bit and working a little bit in New York, but kind of knew that, you know, for a lot of different reasons that, that maybe I would be headed back this way and mm. saw this building over here and, you know, all these cool uh restaurants in the neighborhood and I was just like Great man this this neighborhood is is cooler than mine you know and my <laughs> rent is like ridiculous you know ridiculously <laughs> high so you know it was kind of one of the things that had me start thinking about like 
you know, bouncing, packing up in, in New York and coming mm. back here. I'm originally from Fort Worth, but didn't want to okay. go back there. So, um, but yeah, there was this giant for sale sign on this building. And I remember driving by and seeing like in the alley, they were doing small engine repair here mm. and they had kind of collected so much stuff and, and repair projects and the hardware store that was in the front kind of was turned into a more of a thrift shop kind mm. of hoarding museum type place. Uh, and just so every day they had to, all the work that they had to get done, they had to do it in the alley. Like literally yeah. there's no space inside mm. the building to do any work. So every day they had to like pull out their projects for the day and work in the alley and people would come by and hang out and there was a bench out there and mm. you know, somebody would come by and work for like 30 minutes and get a couple bucks, you know, whether that was for you know, a, a fix or for a, what, like, I don't know what, what it was all about. Like I kind of uh, just saw this as being like a a whole economy that supported a way of life that's not, um, let's say, mainstream. Mm. And, you know, I think that there was a lot of brokenness in that picture, sure. but I think there was a lot of transparency and a lot of honesty and a lot mm. of dependency that was like really beautiful and a wonderful thing. And I remember seeing that big sign. And the, the property was represented by somebody who at the time had a number of properties in the area. And I remember seeing that thing going on in the alley and thinking, like, nobody's going to buy this mm. and try and continue the ethos of what yeah. what's happening here. Like, yeah. anybody that's going to scoop this thing up is going to be looking to make it participate more in what's happening down in Bishop, which I think is a wonderful thing. What's sure. happening in Bishop is amazing. Uh -huh. no, no, no judgment on, on that. I love it. Um, but I thought like, you know, maybe we could, we could grab this thing and figure out a way to where we can make it kind of take the intelligence that's been built here through the years and build on that instead of just try to yeah. replace it and make this block become more like what's down there yeah. and yeah so i'm glad that you came here and you felt that it was a group of people kind of supporting each other and keeping yeah. that it felt nostalgic in the way i'm not a preservationist i don't want to preserve the past or preserve what those guys were doing in the alley but i think mm. that like we don't need to erase the past yeah, like it's know. much better to evolve stack yeah. stack up because communities yeah. have momentum yeah you for know? sure and, for sure and if if it's gone if the 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 building of a of a of a of a needed you know acquirement to to meet as a community is gone and you know it, it sets the tempo slowed down everything mm. loses mm. a little bit of something so yeah that's it's it's great to hear the 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 captured idea of of you know witnessing the environment and understanding that if you're going to not just um, um, buy in, but take part into a physical community that you give something back or you have something worthwhile, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. to, to feed it. Mm -hmm. um, and that's definitely what it felt like, you know, I mean, yeah, that's awesome. I mean, granted, like I know the Mojo guys, but right. like it, it was great to see the people come in and, and just get so, I don't know. I mean, there's nowhere to hide. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's yeah. a small space. It's a small, small yeah, space. But, yeah. But it's, but it, that, that intimacy brings on, there's, there's, um, there's a lack of filter, you know, and, and I'm one to, you know, like that because I like reality. Yeah. <laughs> and so the, you know, 
get to know a, a, a stranger that's you're staying shoulder to shoulder with, you know, watching a stellar drummer um, or whoever. It doesn't matter. It's just because because one thing about the show that I always tie in uh, is the importance of that community is that no no mm. artist ever took off being you know in a vacuum they, yeah they never definitely. no one ever became hendrix just you know working away by themselves always by themselves forever and just that's not how you network that's not how you grow i mean that's that's just not how we're built mm. <laughs> and and i mean that's just ego to think that you could do that first of all but but once you start to to develop a network and a community. I mean, you, you want to push yourself further. You want to do mm. more in service of your community. And I mean, that, that's how I see this city. I mean, even this immediate yeah. district, I mean, that's how I see it um, from my past and my present, but it's still, it, it's, it's now it's, you know, there's objectives for the future because there's this happening. There's like what you're saying in, in Bishop. I mean, that's totally yeah. different from what I, you know, grew up with. Um, I remember, you know, hunky's being like the the cool spot down there and now it's just like there's a billion places like it's just crazy um and like sylvan is totally different uh, like trinity groves area i mean it's all just you know it's it's booming and, it, and it's beautiful it's a great evolution but it's also even more appreciative i guess from someone from the community to hear ownership you know relay that the desire is to include that dynamic you yeah. know hmm. Because I, I don't know, that's because I work business to business a lot in my normal job and yeah. selling signs and graphics you yeah. know, and branding um, I mean, across the nation. And you just you meet a lot of personality types and not all of them have the objective to include, you know, not just the existing parameters, but just the community, you know, and so much. Yeah, I don't think it's I have tried to, like, prove that it's financially wise to do that and I could theorize about how that's true hmm. but I couldn't say at this point that it's like that I've got a, a solid case for that I mean it's it's really hard oh, yeah. to figure out a way to operate in that mindset in a, a world and in a market that has this highest and best use mentality, which is inherently like one of the most segregating ways to go about doing anything, you know, mm. because if everything has the potential to be, you know, luxury, or if everything has the potential to be, you know, high end or, you know, it's like everything mm. has that, attached to it because right. you know this building is probably worth more you know scraped and redeveloped with a parking garage below it and you know yeah some you know what i mean like yeah. there's a and so to come in and basically say you know i'm gonna operate it in another mode than what the market kind of wants it to be you're kind of leaving you know th at least people in the business community would say you're leaving, leaving money on the table doing that, you know? Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, that having that, that mentality long-term, you know, whether you're a real estate developer or a designer or whatever, like people will be drawn to, to what you're doing. And I think that it's probably, you know, in my opinion, it's less like, uh, susceptible to this kind of boom bust mentality where we mm. see 
things kind of have rapid success and then people forget about it and then they go into decline and back and forth. So, uh, yeah, but it's, yeah, that like starting this little section of the conversation goes from like, uh, you know, there have been plenty of people out there to tell me not, not to do do things like this. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But But look at, I mean, I know it's because it's been, how long has it been? Over a, a year? Yeah, the building, we've had the, I've owned the building for six years, maybe something like that. Okay. And got like, you know, it took me a long time to come to terms with what we wanted to do with it. Mm. Um, and then kind of figured out that, you know, we'd fill the bottom with a, with a couple of tenants. And then upstairs we had these apartments and one of them I ended up moving my office into mm. and one of them ended up becoming this because I didn't want somebody living, you know, across from my office, uh, basically. <laughs> um, so we were always looking for another office tenant or something like that up here. Um, but then had the, had the opportunity to, to do the studio, which, which was great. But, um, yeah, it's been, the studio has been open for just over a year, like mm-hmm. 13 months. Awesome. And, uh, yeah, we've kind of been tinkering with it for a year before we opened something like that. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, it looks great. Uh, you have some great equipment in here. Uh, I've witnessed it all being played. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, but, but the difference maker is that, um, that push to bring people in. It's not just to bring it in. I mean, yeah, obviously you have the business objective you, right. that's always going to be in, in, involved, but you're bringing in people um, in a communal sense that, that that jives them about the place and makes them want to, you know, come back. Uh, and once it makes them want to refer people here because they had a good experience and they didn't even play anything. You know, I mean, there's right. so many aspects to why someone would want to come here to enjoy it yeah. and then to let that ripple outward. Um, it's like a place like this. I mean, you would just need to network like crazy and just get it to the right, right people. I mean, it's a good oppor- those jams. It's a great opportunity to network. Oh, yeah, that, that was kind of the goal when Patrick kind of came up with the idea of doing the jams was have a place where people around us can one experience what you experienced, but also be able to have access to awesome musicians and people that without something like this i mean there's other places in in dallas that do jams as well awesome places to network as well but just the intimacy that you get here and being able to stand two feet away from somebody just wailing away on the keys and then you get to talk to them afterwards it's just that was another big part of this was the the ability to network uh, within it and just keep bringing that community together you know yeah yeah and for it to be a place that you know, and I think that this probably happens at other jam sessions or whatever, but for it to be a place that people feel like, um, you know, it's not a, I I don't want it to be a place where people think like, okay, you go out there and perfect something and then you bring it here and perform it for people. You know what I mean? It's like Mm. the, the, the studio and the space and the environment and the way that we, program things and who's around is all part of, you know, it's like another uh, creative force in, in the, you know, it's like almost another member of the, of the band or the group or whatever. And it's yeah. like not just a place to, you know, recreate something that's already predetermined but it's actually a, a generative force in the mm. in the process yeah it's a working i mean i'm a i'm a musician and i mean i love the jam it's like 
I know there's people that don't like to because they like to learn the piece mm-hmm. and play their part. Definitely. There's definitely those styles. Uh, I'm not that way. Uh, it's it's just it just it, it it's a different type of feeling to learn something and nail it, but also to come up with something improv. You know, speaking to each other through the instruments or mm-hmm. off of. Um, uh, um, non-vocal cues and just it, it, it builds a communication style um, and respect you know in the moment that and especially everybody's in there that's already wielding something because they already you know they're already honoring it because they're taking it so seriously they're mm-hmm. doing it publicly you know there's so many things involved that you're you're just ready to to just channel it and just get all on the same page and then when you do that it's just it feels like magic you know? yeah just it's it's a it's a great feeling to chase after as a musician yeah because sure. you just always want more yeah. um and and yes there, there are tremendous jam uh, uh sessions that happen all across dfw but mm-hmm. to facilitate it uh in in a like studio environment um it i don't know it just it just feels so warm and welcoming that like you because like what you're what you're describing i mean like if, if someone really wrote up that plan you know the work on something execute like sure that's probably more of an idea for an open mic but you know to show up to a, a jam i i just feel like like yeah there's definitely a community of songwriters and 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 musicians that you go to an open mic you might prove you might prove yourself in some way and make a friend or an associate or something but you show up to a, a jam night i mean you have to rely on each other and yeah. most of the time it's a stranger yeah <laughs> and it's yeah. like i hope you know your stuff hey i hope you know sure, your stuff yeah, too yeah. and then you get into it and then you're like hey you do know yours this has mm-hmm. been great you know it's just because mm-hmm. there's nothing better than that than coming to an, a, a an accord of, on something and then to understand like oh you you get me mm. it's like if you get how i played that then you you get that part of me mm-hmm. that part of me that i don't get to speak because i can only play it yeah. um and it's just a a, a, a fashion of communication that I yeah don't know. something you don't get to express every day yeah you know? and, yeah yeah it's and unique. it's just unique because mm-hmm. I mean it's like you can write something together you can you can you can just be casual about it but I don't know like I mean I've jammed with friends and uh, uh, random people musicians or whatever but whenever there's the idea of like hey we're gonna get together and we're gonna do it and there's like the objective to do it it's just I don't know it's just just build such a, a, a wholesome like feeling of like there's like a lack of like I mean obviously there's gonna be some judgment if you're not like doing something <laughs> but doing something right but it's just you feel so seen and appreciated mm-hmm. um, and I, I just think nowadays with with so many um, possibilities so many uh, uh, media options to distract you with so many things to keep you from being undisciplined in many ways. I just to be seen for who you are like I just think is a beautiful thing nowadays and when you can practice and put in work and that type of discipline into something like musicianship and you show it publicly and interact with someone in that fashion I just think that's one of the the sweetest parts of the human experience is you know people seeing you for who you've been working to be you know Mm -hmm. and I think anything that brings out that opportunity is a is a wonderful thing but uh yeah, I just, I love it here. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> well, we're glad you do. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing more more work done here and um, probably doing some more shows here. Yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> um, so I wanted to get to know a little bit about you guys too as uh, individuals. Um, given that this is such a, a music-centric venture, I mean, obviously you have tenants and stuff like that, mm-hmm. but um, I was just curious, you know, what, not just on your perspective of music, but what, you know, what, what makes you 
because you're you kind of you you lay it out not as like a, a, a as a risk but kind of like you know it's a it's a business decision that you know like you said you might be leaving some stuff on the table to make it this way but what made you what made you so convinced about that what made you so interested in music to begin with man I don't know. That's a tough question. I mean, I think that it was one of those things that, you know, if I'm really honest about it, like for this space in particular, like I think when I was younger and I found music and it became part of like, you know, me crafting an identity for myself and finding separation from things in my life that maybe I didn't align with, but were present, you know, like Mm -hmm. as a, as a young person, I think music is a huge part of you, like stepping out and saying like, this is who I, this is who I am. And this is, you know, these, this is my crowd and whatever. Mm -hmm. So I think that music was, was big for me in that way as a kid. And that's how I kind of got, got into, into playing it. But later, like when it came to this project, I think that it was, you know, I think that it was just seeing, that come back around, like seeing something that I had taken as seriously as you can take something mm-hmm. as a, you know, 18 to 25 year old, you know? Yeah. And like totally taking that part of my life and everything that, that was associated with that and just, you know, turning my back on it kind of instantly and like yeah. seeing that come back around full circle and, you know, kind of acknowledging that because there's been a number of times in my life where I've closed doors on things, you know, I've changed careers a number of times and Mm. changed, you know, have constantly done that. And I think this is the first thing that I've like dipped, dipped my toe back into and quickly got swallowed, Mm. you know, by the whole thing. But, um, you know, I think that it was that it was kind of me acknowledging like, you know, you don't have to have these compartments in your life. You can be a little bit more, you know, use all of your life experiences to do something and then fell back into the trap of having it become, (laughs) become all encompassing. But, um, (laughs) you know, I think that was the initial allure was like, yeah, I can dabble in this a little bit. And it's cool to, you know, made some friends that I hadn't, you know, got to know people in the community that I didn't know before and and whatever. And so I think it was that aspect of it. It wasn't so much for me, like, uh, you know, I don't have a musical project, personal project that I'm trying to get done. It's not sure. about that yeah, for me. Yeah. It's it's more about, uh, you know, being able to provide a space for people that that do and support people in a fair and you know honest way, like treat treat people well in the in the process and and make it as affordable as possible and as high quality as possible like that mm-hmm. that always I always get excited about that like yeah. taking something that's trending to be out of reach for most people and figuring out a way to to bring it back down to earth because yeah. as a as an architect like it's kind of you know seen as a luxury mm-hmm. to be able to to hire an architect you know not many people have architects in their lives businesses do you know big buildings do but it's not like people are consulting uh design professionals on their homes you know it's not like a a common thing and so we get excited in the office over there about figuring out ways to to kind of democratize design and i think i saw the same opportunity here in the in the studio nice yeah 
Well, it looks great, and it's uh, outfitted extremely well. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, can't forget Will. <laughs> yeah. Make it all work. <laughs> he makes it all work. He's been here since the beginning. I mean, since the very, 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 very beginning. beginning. So like, everything was empty in here. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. Like nice. One drum set, and there was a computer next. You had a computer stand next to the drum set because I think your initial plan was to be able to record yourself. Just be able yeah, to sit I mean, on the to kit. be able to, yeah. we had like a mobile kind of. You could move the interfaces. Like the mm. rack could be kind of put anywhere in the room. There was like a cart mm-hmm. the computer was on, and it's kind of like for sessions to be able to be run from from the tracking room. And there was actually an mm. artist that was going to rent this space during the day, and then we were going to do that at night, and mm-hmm. yeah. But quickly we became too too big for our too fill. for for that and. <laughs> Yeah. Well, it's filled with plenty of goodies. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of goodies. Yeah. Well, Will, how about you, brother? How uh, how did you come into the world of music? Uh, I don't think... I mean, I've just been in music since I was born. My parents were super supportive. Um, and I remember taking piano lessons when I was about three. And so just always I've had music as a focus. And yeah, my parents just kind of ran with that. So took piano lessons for a long time until... Eventually, my granddad sort of tricked my parents into buying me a drum set. And then <laughs> so um, we got the drum set in the house, started taking lessons on that and ended up going to an arts high school. It focused on drums and percussion for me. I was in the orchestra. I did a lot of these plays and I th- I loved making music. I would try. I tried to make like my own little solo project of doing um, stuff on Ableton Live, making beats and, and recording myself here and there. Yeah. Um, I ended up going to college, majored in drums, and it wasn't until my junior year where I took a studio class. And the college was in Santa Fe. It was called the Santa Fe University of Art and Design. And I there almost was, went there. Sorry. Oh, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. I haven't well, heard that name in a long time. It's That's closed cool. down now. It doesn't oh, exist okay. anymore. Oh, so, oh. well, missed your chance. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I took the studio class and it was about, I don't, I think 10 students were in that class and it was a studio, not much bigger than this. Um, but one of my professors would get these local jazz groups from Santa Fe to come in. And as a team of 10 students, we would kind of record them and set up their mics and learn how to, how that works. And that was kind of eye opening for me because doing music in that way, you still got to be a part of the creation process, but you're more, um, like a channel where these artists get to make their work shine through you. Like you get to help them bring their vision to life yeah, and the best way possible, make it super easy for them. And I like that kind of hospitality side of it where have somebody come in and make it the best day of their life. So everything's super easy. Mm-hmm. All they gotta do is sit down, not have to worry about hooking anything up the way it sounds. They just have to focus on getting their, their art out. Mm-hmm. And I really like that aspect of it. So I switched my major over to production. The next two years, it was all that, all studio classes, and uh, graduated from college and immediately got a job at this audio post studio. So it was Mm. in a studio. I was kind of in the setting that I wanted to be in where I got to sit at a desk with two big speakers, vocal booth, and we would have people come in and do commercials and voiceovers, but it was extremely corporate. So there was not, Mm. it was missing the creativity side of it that I, I loved so much. And I was doing audio, still getting to be technical about it and learning. I was still learning, you know, I was very early in the career. So, um, I still am learning, but there I got to really deal with these very stressful clients, people that would come downtown Dallas, uh, big corporate egos and 
having to calm them down and get the session working right was a huge step and a big learning point for me where I was able to make those sessions really comfortable. Mm. Um, did yeah, that for two different. years. Yeah, very different. Did that for two years. And then the studio that I was at, they decided to move buildings. And that decision just threw a wrench in everything. And uh, so I was laid off and I was still figuring out what I want to do now. I have this experience of working in a studio. Do I want to just totally change my career? Probably not. I know I still love music. So I started freelancing, just offering my services to anybody who wanted to, if people needed to learn Ableton, I would uh, give them lessons. I would, I had a couple studios that would hire me as a freelance audio engineer and I would go and do sessions there. But I ended up picking up a part-time job at Guitar Center to kind mm. of balance it out. So I was doing freelance, I was doing Guitar Center. And then anything I would sell at Guitar Center, whether it was just like an adapter, I would be like, do you need help knowing how this <laughs> yeah, works? Because yeah. I can I'll give you my card and I can come to your house and help you set it up. Hustle, um, man. Yeah, I mean, that, that was... <laughs> I knew I wanted to stay in music and I was like, if I get a sales job somewhere else, I'm going to lose the passion. I'm just going to yeah. get stuck in this corporate world of trying to climb the ladder. And I, I knew I was going to get stuck and mm. just kind of lose it. So didn't yeah. want to do that. I thought Guitar Center was the way where I can still make some money, but stay a little bit in that world. I know the people that are coming into the store are in the world I want to be yeah. in. So it's more ground level. Yeah. yeah. And I got some really cool experiences out of that as well. Like this uh, metal band from London, their name is Enter Shikari. I used, oh yeah. I listened to them a lot as a kid and it had been maybe 10 years since I listened to them <laughs> and they came into Guitar Center one night and I saw their logo said <laughs> yeah. Shikari and I was like is that Enter Shikari? And they're like, oh yeah, that's us. I'm ah. like, oh man, that's awesome. And <laughs> I, I sold them these crappy used speakers because they wanted to do like a rough mix in their tour van as they were going around oh, okay. Texas. And uh, so I was like, these are the cheapest ones we got. You can use these. But if you need, uh, there was another studio at the time that I was freelancing at. I was like, if you need a place to do some scratch vocals, like I'll hook you up over there. We can run a session before your show. Uh, they were playing at Arco. Yeah. Deep Ellum and the studio was in Deep Ellum. So, I was able to get them in the studio. This band that I loved yeah. as a kid, just met them randomly at the store, did wow. a session with them. They loved it. I mean, it was awesome experience. And that that was what kind of let me know, like, okay, I am in the right spot. Mm. Something is going to come out of Guitar Center because I just got to record one of my favorite childhood bands. And so, <laughs> I mean, that wasn't like an ongoing thing, but it let me know that, okay, something was going to happen here. Proven experience. Yeah. Um, so I've just kept pounding away there. It was about two years. And then I get a call from Patrick because one of my coworkers gave him my number because they mm. eventually knew me as the guy. Like, if anybody needs help with stuff, just give him Will's number because mm. he'll go and do it. Um, and so Patrick called me. He's like, I got this Apollo and I'm not sure how to hook it up. Or I don't know what you were asking me, but you got me over here. Yeah. yeah. I think that we, we did like a big order through GC pro like not through the store mm -hmm. like the initial kind of order of equipment for the studio and um yeah some somehow i that, ended up here that guy uh, gave gave yeah. me your number i don't know <laughs> and that uh, very first day we were here up until like three in the morning yeah i don't even know what we were doing well it's a fun yeah. uh, problem to figure <laughs> out i'm sure plugging plugging, <laughs> plugging stuff in. in and just playing drums i think you had the roads by that point when I first came out. Yeah, so we was, had the roads, we had the, the drum kit, we had, yeah, we had stuff up here. Yeah. But yeah, there was kind of a, like with anything you try to do, like we were, you know, it wasn't working the Trials way that it was tests. supposed to. And I think, <laughs> right. that, yeah, the first night we were just trying to, you know, thousands of dollars of stuff coming out of the box. You just want it to make 
make mm. noise, you know? It's Christmas. So, yeah. <laughs> so that night, I'm pretty sure you gave me like the keys to get in here and everything. Yeah. You're just like, yeah, if you want, come anytime you need to come up or whatever. It was very relaxed. And I was super surprised by like just the amount of access you gave me from the very first day of meeting a total stranger. And yeah, I mean, <laughs> I could tell you weren't up to, you weren't into bad, bad trouble. So. Sure. Yeah. No, but that was awesome. And that was what kept me coming back to you. I was like, this yeah. guy seems serious about building something here. That place is awesome. I saw so much potential in it. And now I get to see that potential realized. I yeah. mean, I'd imagined something like what it is today. But again, this room was completely empty. That room maybe had a keyboard, one drum set and a computer in it, but no hooks on the walls, no, no panes of glass. It was just like a totally normal oh. building. Um, yeah, it was cool. So we just kind of stuck with it and it was like a whole year of just building and buying and setting up and figuring it out, figuring it out until you met Sput and then yeah. kind of went from there too. Yeah, mm. for sure. And then Sput came in and told you how to set everything up. <laughs> yeah. Then Sput, Sput came in and, you know, brought, you know, brought, credibility brought, you know, mm. what he brings to, to everything he does, which is, you know, excellence and fun and a good attitude and, you know, a host of the most talented people in the, in the world. Yeah. yeah. You know, so we've had, you know, consulted with all the, all the best engineers. And if we have a, a problem or an issue, we get it solved. We, you know, have connections in the industry, wherever we need them. And, you know, but the best thing yeah. has been just seeing the way that, um, like Sput really has a heart for, you know, I don't know if you want to call it mentoring or you want to call it, you know, developing people or, or mm. whatever, but he really pours a lot into the Dallas scene. Um, and like really wants to, to push people and help people and, and get them, get them to, to kind of be the best version of themselves that they can. And I think that's where we kind of hit off was, you know, I didn't know really the, the depth of talent that we had here locally. Hmm. I think that the music industry knows the depth yeah. of talent oh, yeah. that we have here, but nobody considers us like a, a Nashville or, a, you know, nobody considers yeah. us a Detroit or an Atlanta or a big, big music city or New yeah. York, you know, but I, I, I would argue that we're every bit as important, if not more important to, you oh, know, yeah. the yeah. pop scene, jazz scene, rock scene, like all that stuff is, is based out of here. And I think a huge part of it is, you know, I, I mean, honestly, I think it's, it's, it's the black church and the way that musicians are, are groomed and the standards that are held mm. for what happens inside of gospel music and the way that mm. that creates just these powerhouses of, uh, not only just technical ability, but feel and a, a way of communicating and, and, and working that is amazing. And then that gets shared with all the other artists around. And I think it's really just built Dallas into, you know, a city that, you know, if, if we don't have the, the moniker, we're, we're like supplying all the, uh, all the <laughs> yeah, session the musicians yeah. for everything that's happening in the cities that, it's you know, true. have guitars on their, yeah. on their billboards when they, they have the city name. So, <laughs> I mean, it's a well of talent here. Yeah, it is. It and is. I think that one of the ambitions of the studio is to like become a broadcasting point for that, not yeah. only to our own city who kind of, you know, I don't want to say we don't support 
music the right way, but I think we could do a better job. Yeah. Uh, but also just to let the let the world know that we're yeah. here and well, we're killing. And like what you just touched on, I mean, good good connections through this community will branch out further. And mm-hmm. as long as you're still networking, you're showing up, you're proving, you know, you're working. I mean, you'll, it'll grow. You just can't stop. And and you meet dynamic individuals in the community, like Sput, someone that's a facilitator and a mentor and mm-hmm. a, a teacher, and and can help grow you. I mean, it's just, it, I don't know, it's a scenario that you couldn't help but, you know, fall in love with it. You're just like, you, you want to just keep growing. Yeah, yeah. And it's been fun. And he's been, he's been a pleasure to have on board. Um, well, there's, there's, it, Dallas is such, because I, it's such a, uh, it's a, like over the entire span of the existence of Dallas, like, you know, we were known for railroads, like, you know, a hundred mm-hmm. years ago, we were the crossroads of like the uh, Kansas, Missouri, Texas transit authority or whatever. So it's like any goods going from one end of America to the other would probably come through here. Yeah. So you just have all this history of like bluesmen, um, I mean, just bards, right? Like just hopping on a train, going to Dallas, getting off and starting a life. And just so many people just moving around. Well, Dallas has a unique history because of that, because of yeah. of the train system and, and the lineage started or the legacy started because of people that moved here for whatever reason. Um, but just the, the depth of, of, of musical, um, um, not just lineage, but just experiences and schools. And I mean, like, like, I mean, like Booker T has generated so many stellar yeah. right. musicians. I mean, it's just outrageous. And, um, you know, it's just crazy to me. Cause like I was saying, you know, I used to work at like Tyler street Methodist here down the mm-hmm. road. And, you know, like I, I had students that went to that school that I would talk to and it was just, a, it was a school. Yes. Yeah, so it was an art school and, and, and we respected it, but it was like, it was like the local art school. Yeah. So that even as a younger kid, I was like, well, yeah, but that's, that's just there. It's just at mm-hmm. that school, yeah. you know, in the, in the neighborhood, right. it's just, it's here. But you grow up and you start to appreciate music. You start to read liner notes. You start to figure out, you know, a, a deeper appreciation for like who the, everybody involved in a project, whether it's like a Badu album or whatever. And you start to understand like, oh my gosh, like oh, these people are from here. Mm-hmm. Or like right. you, you listen to half of uh, <laughs> like uh, To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar and like half of those people are from Texas. Right. It's just yeah. like, it, it's just, it's so like affirming. It just feels so good because it's like, I don't know. There's there's something in the water. Like it's just because <laughs> like I've always loved music, and I mean it runs in my family. But like my God, it's running it's running through like everyone's veins out here, and it's yeah. just so honored and so you know, I don't know. It's it's just such a beautiful thing, and everyone's you know working on it, and and you can just find some stellar people that yeah. have committed their lives to it. Um, but it's just crazy how nobody knows any of that. I didn't sure. know any of that before I was here. I, I knew the big artists that were here, like Post Malone, Eric Badu, and Leon Bridges, those celebrities. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the guys who helped those people shine, the ones that are working on their projects, yeah, all are also all here. You just don't hear their name as often, and you probably should, because it's every time we do a jam night or have a session with some of those guys that come in here, I'm just blown away. I feel like I'm just getting a front row seat to yeah like a $150 concert, something you would pay a lot of money for. It just, it just happens right here. It's just people that are living in this area, just come and do the thing here. And yeah, it's eye opening. So I'm yeah. happy we have this place to try to broadcast that out to the world more. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. Hey, I'm happy you have a space too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, but I mean, it's just prime musicianship, you know, on display, interactive. I mean, yeah. And, you know, I think earlier 
we were talking about the jam session and you kind of mentioned about this, like, uh, yeah, you could get kind of, you know, you could, you know, if there's like an expectation of a level of maybe craft or whatever that comes to your, like to your instrument, you know? Mm. And I think that probably one of the coolest things that I've seen is like the way that Sean Martin has like Mm. taken a situation where, you know, things maybe weren't going so well or somebody mm. needed a little bit of uh you know just needed a line thrown to him you know yeah, like needed yeah. needed some help and like to see the way that there is a true love for the art and that there's no like i'm not gonna give you my bag of tricks like yeah. mm. that there's no yeah. distance created i mean and you know we've got Sput is a partner here and I'm a drummer and Will plays the drums and we love drums, you know? We have some of the best drummers on the planet that frequent this place and Mm. they all love each other to death. You know what I mean? Like there's no like, everybody's trying to help each other out and like this like fits so well into what we're trying to do. It's like, no, like you can, I mean, yeah, if you're, going to come in here and sit behind the piano should you like know where middle c is and like know that if you're going to play in the key of c that it's all white keys (laughs) or whatever you know but maybe that's like the maybe that's all maybe that's where the Mm. the kind of ceiling is because really like i think the the guys that are here kind of guiding and and running those sessions like see opportunity for themselves to learn something which i think is what makes them great and see opportunity in every person that sits behind the instrument to be somebody that's like breathing life into the industry that that supports them you know which is a really amazing part of it that i didn't expect mm, you know because you know i would be you know not not some and am not now but you know when you see something somebody with a facility like that Mm. like it doesn't make you instantly want to like foster something (laughs) jump behind their instrument after them you know what i mean but the amount of love and care and and just genuine kind of uh like support for people that we've seen here has been amazing even from other engineers people that have been doing this way longer than i have that will just come and give me pointers and things that they've learned through their experience where i always thought that that was a thing i have my bag of tricks and i don't want to share it because you're my competition and i have this thing that works for me and i don't want to tell anybody i just assumed that was the way it always worked yeah and i think patrick kind of just like tore that idea out of my head and now i'm I'm like (laughs) it feels like a great community it's just awesome people that are here in dallas helping people in dallas and it's been cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because there's some, uh, I don't know where it stems from. There's, there's some origin that just gives you this famine mentality of like, well, he's got it. So that means there's yeah. only like one other opportunity out there. Right. We got to we gotta go. We got to go. Or, the only way to get there is by hard work and I just have to do it and work and work and work and do it. Climbing up over yeah. other people. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. I just got to get everything myself. I need to earn that spot myself. Where No, you don't. There's other people here for a reason. Um, and yeah, you like so much to learn from everybody around here. And if they're willing to impart their knowledge to you, why not take it? Why not yeah. just grow? And yeah. Especially if you're, if you honor it and you're doing it in service of something mm. like you, you know, you're yeah. not just doing it. Cause like, 
I mean, maybe you're doing it because like, you got to pay the bills, but like there's something that's brought you to it and to give you, um, it's like you, you find that to be the meaning, but to give a communal dynamic to it that really invokes a sense of meaning mm. that I think people that might not know what that feels like, once you feel it, you're like, oh, wow, uh, uh, this <laughs> yeah. is, um, I, I'm embraced. I'm, yeah. I'm not embarrassed <laughs> right. to be myself. I'm right. being embraced by who I am or yeah. for who I am. Absolutely. Yeah, I've seen that happen firsthand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that's some of the, and especially, I mean, I'm sure y'all can attest from younger days as like, if you ever get somebody that's 10 years ahead of you, mm. that's willing to like stop for a second and tell you, well, this is how you do this. Mm. Did you not know that? You know, or like, here's a quicker way to do that. I mean, mm -hmm. that'll always be something that, that I'm like, yeah, I'm willing to do back, right back to right. someone that would reach out to me just because the same yeah. kindness was shown to me, you know, the Absolutely. same yeah. servant mentality of like, well, I don't, I know how to do this. And we get along. Like, why wouldn't I just tell you how to do it? Mm -hmm. Right. And and um, yeah, just facilitating a need because you you both have the same drive. You know, mm -hmm. that's just great. And that's what probably gets a lot of people in this room together, <laughs> is because yeah. yeah, you you all have that same passion and you're ready to see something electric. Um, so I just have one other question I wanted to ask you guys uh -oh. mainly. Uh -oh. um, well, two two. <laughs> I don't okay. like to include the other one because I don't even like the question, but I like to ask it. Oh I like my to goodness. Say it. Okay. <laughs> All right, I'm out. The suspense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, there's not, probably not going to be one answer, so don't, don't feel the pressure, but feel the pressure. Um, what is it? Okay. What's your favorite instrument in your armory that you oh. got in here? And then the other one I'll ask later because that's, that's its own thing. Favorite instrument, well, or piece. I mean, you, I mean, you're on the other side too. So if there's anything, I mean, like you have that teenage engineering thing over there, which is insane. Yeah, that's uh -huh. a new one. I'm still figuring that one out. Yeah, that's a puzzle. <laughs> Do you yeah, have? Yeah, there's answer? lots of cool stuff. I mean, oh. I don't know. I mean, for me, it's probably something we don't use that often, but it's probably like uh, I have a drum kit up here yeah. that I like played with back in the day hmm. and I donated it, not really donated it, but left it at a church that I used to play at. Hmm. And then when I moved to New York, like, you know, I obviously didn't take it back, but anyway, hmm. so it sat over there for like, I don't know, 10 years or something, maybe more. And when I started this place, I called him up and I was like, you don't happen to still have this like Yamaha drum kit. Um, it's got my name they were on the like, bottom. Yeah, we do. We do have it. I was like, all right, cool. Well, can I like swap you out a different drum kit and come scoop that thing up? Cause it's kind of, it's cool. And I've got a spot for it. And they were like, yeah. And I went to go find it. And it's like, you know, it's like a old, you know, it's from like 1998 or something like that. Mm. Uh, but you know, it's like a natural wood finish with no lacquer on it or anything. Mm. And so it had just like aged like fine wine in their closet. I don't think they used it very often, but mm. it just came back to me like more beautiful than when I left it. Mm. Um, mm. And it's a great kit and we use it for artists that come in here that are endorsed by Yamaha or if they just want to play yeah. that kit or whatever, like we, we do use it and it's an amazing kit. And, but that's probably my favorite one because it like, yeah, came back to me at the, at the right time. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, I figured as much cause you're a drummer, but yeah. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> <laughs> and the, I mean this, the kit that yeah. we have set up in there is also like super special, like Sputz custom 
it is design. custom color custom everything about it is amazing and yeah, it sounds it sounds amazing the yamaha sounds good too but that's that's the one that's mic'd up all the time yeah that, that's yeah, pretty that awesome kit. i mean for me it's kind of in between three things what one one would be the the kit because it's i don't think i've ever played on a drum set that nice with mm. cymbals i mean but sponsored by Minel, so he gets the best of the best. It just feels awesome to play it. I, I yeah. love the drums, so that's kind of the obvious answer. But <laughs> these speakers are also one on the top of the list there. Mm. Just so much information you get out of these guys, and they're loud, sound great. I love them. I, it's a big part of my job as the engineer, so I need the speakers. <laughs> but I would say my actual favorite piece in the studio is the Rhodes. Just because mm. it feels like every time you touch it, you're touching a piece of history. That thing was made yeah. in the seventies. Yeah. And before I even met Patrick, I had heard this documentary. It was like a documentary podcast about the roads and it would have mm. music kind of in and out, mm -hmm. um, explaining on the origin of the roads. And really those, that piano came out of music therapy is why it was invented. It was this uh, guy in the air force who had retired from the air force, but was hired to help I mean, this was a long time since I heard this documentary, so I could be getting details wrong. But he was hired kind of as a therapist to help people with PTSD coming back from war. Hmm. And he wanted a kind of creative way to start these classes. So he was able to take apart an airplane and fashion something similar to what the Rose is now out of airplane parts. What? That's why it has metal tines as the as the things that make the sound. Yeah. Because it's all it was all made from an airplane. And wow. so he created that thing. And that's as far as I know, but I know the story goes on from there. But having that in my mind and then coming here and seeing a Rhodes, I was like, oh, I know a little bit about this. And we had it worked on. Now it sounds awesome. And every now and then it'll buzz and True. give you issues yeah. and problems. And you get to fix it and kind of work with it. It's like a living creature. That's the beauty of it, though. Exactly. It's never going to sound the same exactly. two days in a row. You <laughs> That's know? why never. I think it's my favorite piece in here, just because it's so... Uh, organic exactly that's just, nice. yeah, yeah and also like I think that after that after it got invented for that purpose um, you know I mean basically it was about taking something that both in terms of scale like most people can't afford to give up that space in their home like mm, unless yeah. like you have enough money to have a large house but also pianos are super expensive so it was like this kind of double project and like yeah how do we create an instrument that's low cost that we can use as a therapy device but then i think it grew into like how do we get you know pianos into you know low, right. low income communities and yeah. all that all that type of stuff um hmm. so yeah that's a good good model of kind of the mantra of the of the studio hmm. that's kind of the way to do things i think yeah mm -hmm. No, that's a great piece. I mean, as you said, it's a piece of history. It is, yeah. It that's, that's feels why, like it too. Yeah, that's why I always, I mean, I'm not, the piano is the one that's like the lowest on my like efficiency list. I, sure. I just started learning it the last, like, well, during the pandemic is when I started to do it. Uh, and I haven't been very disciplined. It's, it's been my least disciplined of the instrument. Yeah. <laughs> but okay, I have an excuse. It's not an excuse, but I'll give you one. Um, <laughs> the jam group I play with, there's already two like, pianist so mm. i always feel like i'm like already like lower tier so yeah it's like well he's already on it right. he's already I'll just yeah. stick to the four other things i can do yeah, yeah do that <laughs> but do no that. but there, anytime you, you touch a rose i mean yeah it's just so warm and like just i don't mm -hmm. know just and yeah. weird at the same time you know? yeah but that's what makes Very it touchy. feel alive and yeah. different. It's yeah. awesome. It's not you hit it too hard and you'll knock something out of place in there. And you got to <laughs> like, be careful with we it. We lost the tone, man. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we had it. 
take it down 10 degrees in here. Maybe yeah, we'll get it exactly. back. <laughs> yeah. Or just kick it. Yeah, it works sometimes. Slap. Uh, well, my last challenging question, mm-hmm. gentlemen. Oh, okay. We've come here. Uh, Desert Island. Uh, what album are you taking with you? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> That's impossible. Oh. Okay, I'll give you an alternate. I've been doing this too on and off. So okay. it's either that question. Because mm-hmm. I just like to see mm-hmm. where people's mind go because I can't even answer that question. That's why I said I hate this question too. But I just like to see where people go because you know, like I'll talk to like I talked to John, the owner of Deep El Marco, and you know, he, he he just he started to make the experience thematic. So he was picking albums that were a theme of like the intensity of being oh. stuck on an <laughs> island. So like, oh okay. That's an <laughs> interesting. So you yeah. take it wherever you want, you right. know. Or you're this album you can listen to a billion times and you'll never burn it out. That's where my mind goes. Sure. And something that would keep me sort of calm throughout <laughs> that very stressful thing of being stranded on an island. So I think I'd pick Thundercat, The Golden Age of Apocalypse. Oh, nice. That album goes from, it has lots of variations, yeah. chill stuff, more upbeat, danceable things. You know, yeah. once you start going mad from no water and food, you probably just want to dance your face off. So <laughs> I think that I'd pick that album. Hey, that's a good one. That's a good one. <laughs> I would ask if I could trade the album for like a djembe or something. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I would, I would go for that. Yeah, fashion I one think out of so. the LP. Yeah, I don't think I could pick. I don't think I could pick one. Whatever I picked, I would get incredibly sick of it, like quickly. Yeah, I, mean, I, I would probably. <laughs> okay, then let me give you the alternate one. Give me an album that you don't think I've heard of, or like an artist that you don't think I've heard oh, of. Oh my goodness. Well, that, that, like, you're asking me to, like, judge you in some sort of weird way. Like, yeah, do it. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. You could look at me and be like, this dude only listens to, you know. I don't know. I have, oh, I have one. I'll oh. go for it. Will's killing it on this. Uh, Ryoji Aikida Betaplex. Oh, okay. That's, so that's like an album. to get that back from you when after he's the show. A, he's a Japanese, I think he's Japanese. I don't know. I, I think he is. Uh, producer, and he takes the artifacts that come like so we're doing voice right now right and mm. there's some sounds that probably aren't super beautiful pe- people to hear mouth noises and stuff like that sure. he'll take all of those imperfections and use only those sounds to make the music so it's this uh-huh. music it's crazy it's just high frequency beeps and tones and clicks and pops and it is really random but at the same time it has some sort of structure it's very strange strange music but mm. uh, it's worth a listen to yeah it'll drive you crazy though if you listen too long for sure so don't take that to the island <laughs> don't take that one <laughs> that is a cool album though will showed me that yeah. it was cool that's cool yeah it was cool. check that out it was cool i don't know if you've heard of it or not but the album that i find myself like most excited about listening to right now is the new Derek hodges album color mm. of noise i love oh, that yeah. album it's amazing uh, he's an amazing bass player. If you haven't heard of him, but yeah, plays, I've heard of him. I haven't yeah. listened to that. Yeah, but it's, it's super, his one. super cool. Yeah, super cool. cool. I need to check it out. Yeah. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, we did it. We did it. We done did it. <laughs> awesome. Well, all right, gentlemen. Uh, anything else coming up? Would you like to promote? Where can people find you? All that good stuff. I mean, just follow us on on Instagram. That's pretty much the only social platform we we use. And uh, gotcha. Yeah, we announced the jams there and. You can go to the website and look at, you know, what we have for options for booking and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, if you yeah. want to know what's going on, Instagram's the place to look. Stuff. Cool. And y'all are recording clearly podcasts. Uh, yeah. Podcasts, video, 
stuff uh yeah any any type of instrument or whatever yeah live shows we, we've done a couple uh like like internet events they weren't live streamed but they, we film it here and, and have like an audience while we're doing the event oh, okay. so they can yeah. post it later and we could stream cool. it yeah we could stream it yeah we have but, the capability to the ones like we have private events stuff like yeah, that. yeah, yeah private yeah. events i think that's like the real i think there's a opportunity for it we don't really push that or talk about that at all but i think it's a it's a cool space if you've been to one of the jams like mm-hmm. to imagine like being able to kind of throw one of those with your own stuff with your own yeah. you know have your own agenda and do your yeah. own thing mm-hmm. and have your own guest list and all that i think that that's a that's a cool kind of service that we're able to offer i don't think many studios allow people to throw private yeah. events in them so yeah well i mean you also I mean, there's a couple of things you're doing that are a little atypical for a studio or new for a studio. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Everything we're um, doing is a- atypical, I think. But hey, but that's studio, great. But yeah. I mean, but that's the thing that Patrick said in the past is that the whole uh, industry is kind of pointing musicians away from the studio where everybody yeah, now sure. has a little interface. They can get on their yeah. laptop and make an album in their bedroom if they wanted to. So we're kind of swimming upstream in that. And so you got to get a little creative when you're doing sure. that and try to find out things that maybe didn't wouldn't have worked in the past, but now that this industry has changed, that's something that's going to work today. Yeah. So yeah. we're yeah. just kind of throwing everything at it and seeing yeah. what sticks, you know? Yeah. Well, it's like everybody used to learn together in a room and then now we're learning from our phones and yeah. now everyone's yeah. like, well, I'm over that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I want yeah. the, and then during the pandemic, like when everything was shut down, I think this was already happening before, but like, you know, now it's, I think, very common for an album to be comprised of different parts recorded in different, you know, quarantined bedrooms. You know what I mean? It just all gets compiled and put together, which, you know, we're not saying that you shouldn't do that. We're just figuring out what is the way that a facility like this is relevant in a time when production can happen anywhere. So how, how do you, how do you foster, uh, not only a business, but how do you cultivate community in that environment? Yeah. Hopefully that's what we'll be yeah. known for doing. Yeah. Well, I think y'all have proven the value of this place, man. And now it's just up for the community to show up and keep embracing you guys. Yeah. Keep right. coming. Keep yeah. coming. Come on through. Support them. You got the you got the rates on the website, you got memberships. It's mm-hmm. all there. Yeah. You check it out. Show up. <laughs> Burnedware.com. Cool. <laughs> awesome. Well, awesome. Yeah, well thank you guys. I appreciate it. Awesome, man. Yeah.